Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Ben Rovner, who is the CEO of Space Station Casting Studios, the co-founder of Thespis, and a board member and the president of the Dan Velez Scholarship Fund, which is a nonprofit to help struggling actors in the industry. In this episode, we go through Ben's whole career, from moving to Los Angeles to become an actor, to starting Space Station Casting Studios and Thespis, which now has over 100,000 members in it, to the horrible experience that led to the Dan Vless Scholarship Fund, and now why he is getting an MBA at UCLA. The show notes for this episode are justgogrind.com slash podcast. Really appreciate it if you left a rating and review over an Apple podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter filled with tips, tools, strategies for growing a business, can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Sign up there as well. Without further ado, here is Ben Rovner from Space Station Casting Studios. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Justin. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Yeah, another MBA, fellow MBA student as, as well. <laughs> Had a few on the show already and uh, always fun to talk to. And entrepreneur MBA, there's a lot to go into with that. But where I kind of want to get started here is with the acting then leading into the other businesses, how young were you when you first knew you wanted to do acting? Uh, let's see. I mean, I, when I was really young, I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, but my healthcare lawyer father basically told me not to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was, I was around probably uh, 16 or 17 uh, in high school and um, had been doing theater and always really loved film and TV and all of that. And eventually uh, I booked a lead in the Illinois Allstate production of a show. So everyone in the state auditions for it and I booked it. And it was uh, pretty intensive, and I loved it. And that was kind of the catalyst for me to say, "All right, well, let's uh, let's try this out." And so then, my senior year, instead of applying for you know um, general uh, education, anything like that in college, I just went straight up for uh, conservatories. Wow! And and then going from there, eventually, eventually, you ended up going to Los Angeles. Then taking that leap, just like kind of entrepreneurship as well, it's, it's a leap you take. I mean, how did you decide that you were going to do it, take the move to, to L.A.? What was that process like? So in all honesty, I always kind of wanted to go to Los Angeles, um, even when I was in high school. I um, am one of those people that just utterly despises being cold. And so growing up in Chicago was <laughs> for me. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, my parents, uh, I mean, not unfortunately, because I actually ended up loving uh, going where I went to school. But my parents basically said, if you go to Los Angeles, we're not going to help you pay for college. <laughs> so that, pretty, uh, that was a, a pretty good um, motivator for me to stay in Illinois. Uh, and then I pretty much graduated college and within three months um, did what I always planned on doing and moved to L.A. Yeah. Wow. And then, so you knew you wanted to go there. I mean, what was it when you got there? Was it like you expected? Was it different? Oh, How no. did that go? In no way, shape or form. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a different world and I definitely wasn't prepared for it. Uh, I moved out here not knowing anyone, but I convinced my, one of my best friends from college who he is still one of my best friends to pack up all his stuff. I basically was like, you're not really, he was working at Starbucks as a barista. And I basically was like, you're not really doing anything. They have Starbucks in LA, come to LA with, uh, and he was like, all right. And he packed up his car and we just kind of did it and moved to just an utterly cockroach infested apartment in Hollywood. Right. (laughs) Uh, and you know, this is Hollywood, man, uh, almost 13 years ago. So it's actually gotten quite a bit nicer now than it was when we moved. Um, Though there are definitely still some areas. Uh, and it was rough, I'll be honest. I mean, we, um, I started bartending um, at like clubs uh, in Hollywood and we're just super broke. You know, really only anything, the lifestyle you can only live in your early 20s. Um, uh, and it was definitely a, a challenge and it, it probably is a big reason that I have the ability to go into entrepreneurship is it taught me uh, quite a bit about resilience and just continuing to push forward against, uh, you know, all odds. 
Yeah. And that experience, like you said, it has to tie in perfectly to, to entrepreneurship. And it was a struggle. I think I read somewhere too, you said you, you had the wrong booking agent or manager type of person, didn't have your best interests at heart kind of, and yeah. all different sorts of things too. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you learn a lot of hard lessons when you don't have any, you, there wasn't, you know, no one in my family is, was in the entertainment industry. I literally knew no one. I moved out here and I signed with a small boutique management company and the um, manager, I won't go, I won't say his name, but I found out ended up was stealing from me. Uh, he was do he was basically it's, it's a whole thing. But I found I he's basically like through taxes and everything. He was taking a bunch of money for me. And I ended up booking um, a film that was supposed to be this amazing big blockbuster. Uh, we. Um, so it, and that that ended up opening doors for me, and I ended up getting moving up uh, in the world, and kind of realizing how bad uh, he was compared to what a good manager or a good agent does for you. Yeah, just to have the comparison uh, between the two, and and one thing is too with with you know starting a business with anything that really happens, it, it's such a grind. It can be such a struggle. What kept you going through those initial months and years of of acting, then to finally book some other roles? Uh, I mean, that's a hard question. I think that there are people, I, I, a lot of it is probably just inherently who I am partially. Um, I, you know, have to give my parents a lot of credit. They raised me to be pretty confident and have a really sometimes probably inappropriate belief in myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, my mom was always terrified growing up that I was going to end up dying because I'm one of those, I have a tendency to think I can do things without any, there's no logical reason why I should be able to do them, but I still, for some reason, think I can. So I've, you know, injured myself and gotten in accidents because of that kind of part of me. But I think that that also leads me to have the ability to kind of uh, take bigger risks because I, there's just some part of me that believes that I'll be able to figure it out and it'll pay off. Uh, And, you know, that being said, there are definitely times like anyone that I, you know, all of my confidence goes out the window and I think I'm do- making every wrong choice and every decision I've made is the wrong decision. Uh, but, you know, you, you get through those moments and you keep pushing forward, you keep grinding and eventually, you know, some good happens and you're like, oh, I, I was right. And <laughs> it's that it's that fun entrepreneurial roller coaster that everyone always talks about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly right. And then on that same note then, so how did you transition to then Space Station uh, Casting Studios? How did that start? So it was kind of a, a longer transition. I After I booked um, the film and we shot it for like two years and the uh, at one point in time we were at a big Hollywood party and like the president of Paramount told us we were going to be famous, myself and the other uh, lead actors. And you get this sense of, oh, I've made it. And then when it all didn't, the movie is just really bad. And when it didn't uh, pan out, I kind of got jaded to the entire acting thing. And I started realizing I didn't like auditioning. And I just really didn't like the lack of control the entire uh, industry kind of has for actors. And so I fell into producing because that's, you know, where there's a lot more control. And I started producing stuff on writing things through that, I met who would be my eventual business partner, Dan Velez, uh, and Sherry Henderson. Um, and Dan and I just have very similar personalities. And we would meet a lot and talk about ways we wanted to change the industry and kind of how we can make a difference. And we were both big advocates about the fact that this industry, the entertainment industry, really preys on uh actors and just people that don't really know what they're doing. And so there's a lot of kind of corruption in that. And a lot of what we were trying to do is try to figure out a way to solve it. And in the process of that, I would hire him as a producer and he would hire me as an actor in some things. And we kind of would work throughout the industry together. And then uh, back in like 2011, 2010-ish, Dan had his office in a building 1258 North Highland. And there was this extra room um, that they just, one of their other guys in that building wasn't using. And he basically said to Dan, you know, if you can cover the cost of this room, you can use it. 
And so Dan started um, renting out just one room in this in this building uh, that is now a wig making factory. You know, only in um, of course, yeah, exactly. And kind of Dan started realizing that there was an opportunity here, and so then you know it just kind of organically was growing, but it wasn't a business or anything. It was just you know money exchanging hands. There wasn't any sort of structure to it. Uh, and then in 2013, like 2012, 2013, Dan and I started meeting and talking about um, kind of an online platform that would help change the industry and really, um, really could give kind of the power back to actors and people that don't have power that uh, would help change the dynamic of the industry. And that's kind of where Thespis was born, where we'll get into that. And I and Dan basically said to me, do you want to quit everything you're doing? And we can I think we can make Space Station a way to make money. And then we'll also work on Thespis. So, you know, I thought about it for about a day and I called him and I said, yep, let's do it. And <laughs> we and that's kind of the was the generation of all of all of kind of what came to be over the next, you know, what that was now six and a half, seven years yeah and with that too so that was the, that was a starting point of it and then what what was kind of the initial vision for what this would be how you'd get customers type of thing as well then yeah so one of the things is you know at this point in time he and i had both been in the industry for ish years and so we knew you know we had just kind of a natural network of people especially he was a casting director by trade so we were going to market it to casting directors. So we had, you know, access to the CSA, which is the union and just general um, networking. And one of the things that we were doing with Space Station, we there are a number of casting studios that already existed that catered to really, really, really high end, um, mainly commercial casting. So those spaces rent out for thousands upon thousands of dollars a day. And everyone from student filmmakers to independent filmmakers were renting out sometimes hotel rooms and or like student filmmakers would ask people to come to their apartment. So it was kind of there was there was a need there to make both the actors feel more comfortable about being able to go to an established place and having an area for casting directors to use that is specifically made for casting. So that's kind of the, the beginning of it. We wanted it to be affordable and we we. Our basic understanding was, you know, if we build this model, it's affordable, it's convenient, we'll take care of everything, they will come and we'll be able to uh, leverage our network and hopefully word of mouth will work. And, uh, you know, we kind of had, get into business speak, we kind of had an MVP already with this space that we just kind of, the small space we had, and it was just, we were booking it nonstop. So we had a small, we had it. A, a way to see what works and kind of figure out the best move forward before we actually ended up going into our space, our, you know, 7,000 square foot space. Um, so we really uh, ironed out all the kinks early on and there was very little, um, very little danger to anything failing. You know, we had a lot of opportunity to test it out and see what worked and didn't work before we kind of threw started raising any money or putting, you know, opening credit cards, which we did, uh, to kind of get the full ball rolling. Right. And then with that, what were some of those challenges that you, you kind of ironed out before you ended up getting the actual, the space you have now? I mean, a lot of them are just like the, when you first start out, especially neither Dan or I had any business background. So there wasn't any, you know, we didn't create a business plan early on. We didn't really create anything. We just started kind of going at it. And, one of the things you like, we realized is, you know, you start thinking, oh, we need to have policies. People try to take advantage of things and you'll get we have to figure out a way to avoid bad clients, people that won't pay. Like, how do we collect money? And it was a lot of very, very, very trial and error um, le learning lessons. And the number one thing we just did the entire time was think like if I was on the other, if I was spending spending money on this space, what is the, how, what would what would my response be from my experience in this? So if it was a bad experience, if we did something bad, if the internet went out, if one of our, if like a computer broke, we would just comp the whole thing and be like, please come back. We'll even comp your next one, right? So it was a lot of trying to figure out 
we had no policy packets. I, we had no employees. So it was a lot to <laughs> figure out how we get people into the room, how we book space, all of this kind of stuff. So one of the things was make it more convenient to book space. So we built, uh, we had our friend build an online booking system. Um, you know, it, it, it's just like, it's so many different little things that we, when we started, we didn't really think about, we just saw this need and kind of went at it and went at it from the perspective of if I was going to spend money on this, would I come back or not? Uh, and as it organically grew is when we started realizing like, Oh, I have to make an actual, you know, policy book. I have, when we actually hire employees and we need to pay more attention to our books. We need to like actually understand where our money's going and wh- how much we're bringing in and what our, what our PNL is. And, a lot of it was trial and error. A lot of it was Googling. A lot of it was asking people we knew. Um, and it was, uh, it was a at least. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and transitioning then from that space to, to the big space. I mean, and what did you, were there certain metrics you were trying to hit? Was it like just a matter of you're bursting at the seams with bookings and you just couldn't, like, what was it that really got you to that point where like, okay, we have to have a new space? Uh, two things. One, the, a little bit of it, not even a little bit, a, a big motivating factor for us was the space we are currently in. And we were, it was kind of becoming labyrinthian. We were taking over different little spaces in that building, but it was three stories and it definitely wasn't conducive to a lot of control. Um, so we were consistently talking and we were, we were booking it out. We were pretty much completely maxing out. So we obviously knew we needed more space. Um, and we wanted to have more control of it. And so we were looking at space, but we were still making money and still trying to figure it out. So the real catalyst was the building we were in was sold to the company that became the wig making factory. And basically the landlord was like, you have, I can't remember. It was not long. It was like four months to get out. And so we didn't, you know, we had such kind of our, our, um, our growth was, going really well and we didn't want to stall it out at all. So we just, as fast as we could found a place. We, our main goal was find a place close by, find somewhere ideally without any stairs. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) we was big enough that we could kind of build it out. Um, And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so it was also what's affordable. And those are kind of where we were at at that point in time. Yeah. And you said build it out. Did that space then, did it have like room for expansion where you could, you could lease more or like, how was that in terms of the space itself? Yeah. So when it, before we moved in, it was a like printing warehouse basically. So there were rooms already in there that we could kind of utilize. And we, what we did is we, uh, found a contractor, um, and he, that well, he would he let us pay him under the table, so it was kind of uh, you know now it wouldn't be something we would do, but at the time it, we didn't have to worry about insurance. You know we we do, right. uh, and we really just started kind of looking at the space and building out um, first just initial. Uh, so we had the same amount of studios, like that was our initial goal. Like let's get this up and running ASAP so we can start running out and bringing revenue back in. So we built out those studios, and then we had extra space. Um, we built out. Uh, an acting studio. Dan always, Dan had a ran an acting class as well, um, and so he always wanted an acting studio. And so we built out kind of like a thirty-five seat black box theater. Uh, we built out a kitchen, and then we had another. Uh, how big is it back there? Another probably twelve hundred, fifteen hundred square feet to play with. And so we, over time, eventually built out more offices in that back and built uh, what we call as our call like our high back studios. So, um, you know, we right away, basically it took us a month, but we tried to get the same amount of studios we had at the other um, location as fast as possible. So we wouldn't lose customers to anyone else. Um, and we can get into competitors in a second, but, um, that was kind of where we started. And then we took time to kind of build the rest of the space out. Yeah. And then when, yeah, to that point, going just with the competitors while we're on it, then, I mean, what was it about your space that people, that people liked, or was it just convenient for them or what was it about it? Yeah, a little, definitely convenience. That was a huge part of ours. So our, if we talk about like direct competitors at the time, we really had one to two, um, 
we had, you know, the bigger, higher end casting studios were also competitors, but we were going after a different market. So we didn't really consider them direct, direct. We had a place called Cast, which they um, went out of business recently, which is good news. And I didn't think that their business model was sustainable. They basically gave <laughs> casting space. They basically gave their space away for free to the casting directors. But the casting directors would have to call in actors on that pay CAS to be like in their system. So this is kind of goes back to a way that companies take advantage of actors. Like that is not a good business model. Basically forcing people to pay people that don't have money to pay for um, the casting director's space. Right. Which. Yeah. Isn't, isn't the greatest, greatest business model. <laughs> Uh, another right. company similar to that opened up called Hollywood Casting and Film. They're still around. And then um, about a year or two later, a company called Cast in Hollywood opened up down the street from us, copied and pasted all of our wording on our website and put our name in their meta tag. And we called them and they basically told us to F off. And so we had to hire a lawyer, which wasn't cheap, and send them a cease and desist letter in order to stop them from doing that. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, insane. Yeah, it was pretty obnoxious. Um, but that cast in Hollywood ended up actually closing and moving into the valley because I don't think they were doing well enough um, to sustain the uh, you know square foot price of Hollywood. So that, that helped us as well. But um, now pretty much our biggest competitors are uh, cast in Hollywood and Hollywood casting and film. One gives their space away for free. The other one literally took our business model, but they uh, definitely don't have as nice of a space or the online, easy, convenient uh, website that we built. Yeah, which is such a, a value add for your customers. And you mentioned earlier that you had kind of tapped into the networks that you had to get these initial customers. How has that kind of changed since in terms of uh, getting getting acquiring new customers and keeping them on board? Yeah. Um, so for a really, really long time, we just went with, uh, you know, word of mouth. And this is before I was really accustomed to Google AdWords or anything like that. And so uh, we consistently didn't end up having we we briefly dan and i briefly hired um a young woman right out of um undergrad that had a marketing background to help us in marketing and we just didn't feel that the cost was um worth the uh what she was doing so that only lasted about three or four months um and kind of through our organic growth we ended up by acquiring another casting studio on the West side, which we can get into. And a lot of it was we made, we got, so we developed relationships with like backstage magazine, which is a really big uh, magazine in the entertainment world. Uh, relationships with a lot of the companies that kind of exist in the same space. And we would do a lot of like, you scratch our back, we scratch yours. So, you know, backstage magazine would I, I would write articles or uh, editorials for them, and then they would put ads for Space Station in their magazine. Uh, you know, we would give clients of ours or actors of ours um, promo codes to sign up for backstage, and they would once again, you know, do ads. Or um, it was a lot of a lot of just schmoozing with companies in our space that aren't our competitors to help get our brand out there and then really, really, really relying on being the most convenient, the friendliest, the easiest to use and believing that that will help word of mouth. And I mean, that really did. And eventually, you know, now we're on, I, we have on Google ads, we did Yelp for a while, but I, I hate that company so much. So I, I, took, <laughs> I took my, I took my business elsewhere. Um, we, you know, we've done brief stuff, uh, brief advertising in other places, but, um, the majority of our ads right now, because it's so specific that people don't really stumble into looking for casting space or production space that a lot of people are Googling it. Right. So right. we're in the necessary magazines if our ads are out there and we spend enough money on AdWords that if you're don't know about us and you're Googling it, we're the first one to pop up and, you know, we have enough reviews, all of that. That's really how we drive most of our uh, most of our customer acquisition. 
Yeah. And then one thing that I automatically think of with that, obviously with the space you have, in theory, there's going to always be a limit to the number of people. Um, I don't know how close you are to that or how, or anything like that, but like, how do you think of expansion? Uh, is that an issue yet? Is like, like, do you want to have another studio or just raise your prices? Like, how do you think about growth then from that perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing, of course, we periodically raise our prices. We just did a couple months ago. Um, that's just, you know, the nature of the world. Um, back in 2014, uh, before Dan passed away, we actually uh, acquired another casting studio on the West side and moved in there. And that's when uh, I was written up in the Los Angeles Business Journal, just because of how fast our company was growing. Um, the space that we acquired was more on the high end side. So our goal was, you know, we're really doing well in this lower end niche, um, more affordable market. Let's see if we can capture some of these higher end players. Uh, and a guy that owned that space and that company before it was called 310 Casting Studios was looking at getting out. And so we, um, you know, through multiple negotiations, ended up acquiring the company. And that was that effectively made us the largest of our type of company in Los Angeles. Uh, the issue was we needed it, it was a little dilapidated. So we had been talking to some angel investors about coming in and helping us build out Thespis, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, but also helping basically uh, put X amount of dollars into renovating the new space. Uh, when we, we had them coming out and everything was looking good, but that is when my business partner, Dan, uh, unfortunately, tragically passed away and it ended up being, um, a real problem for a number of reasons that I'm happy to get into. Uh, but one of them was basically that one of the big reasons that we kind of had to hold back was if we took this angel investment money it would have put the um, valuation of the company at a certain amount, which would have put Dan's estate at a certain amount, which means he his estate would have went into probate, which we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of it. But basically, <laughs> it would have frozen you know, the assets for a little bit while they looked through everything to make sure there weren't any taxes owed, et cetera, which would have prevented us from able to use the money. So we kind of were at this difficult transition and weren't really sure what to do. In the process of that, Dan was always kind of dealt with a lot of the books. And so I took all of that over and realized that Dan had not been paying payroll taxes in for basically ever. And we owed the government substantial amount of money. <laughs> so oh, the whole goodness. situation was real rough uh, and a big, big uh, entrepreneurial learning moment for me. Um, I basically went back to the angel investors and I'm still... Uh, close with them uh, and know them well. They've become good friends of mine and laid out everything on the table. And we, uh, as a group, kind of decided the best bet was we had an opportunity to take, you know, a, a relatively heavy loss on the move, um, but maintain all the assets, all the lights, all the couches, all the furniture, equipment we had purchased and basically get out of the building um, that we moved into. So that was uh, we moved in in August and we were out by January of 2015. Um, so it was uh, an intense and really, really brutal, uh, brutal time. Um, but ultimately it was uh, the right goal. You know, now in MBA, in business school, you constantly hear about yeah. stories, but you have to just make some really tough decisions. And there was a big part of me that wanted, especially because Dan and I had done this and Dan and I had built this. And, you know, there's this pride part of I can keep this going. But when you really when we really looked down on it, really looked into it, the ultimate decision was we can try to keep this going, but we're potentially going to bleed money. And without this, you know, without this funding coming in uh, to help drive growth, it potentially is just going to destroy the company as a whole. And so we, we pulled the plug on that and moved stayed at our current location and, uh, you know, it took a long time, but we finally got, um, pretty much all of our liabilities, uh, taken care of from that move. And it was, uh, a big learning experience, but part of the good thing too, is we got, that was another, we, it was very expensive, uh, customer acquisition costs, but we, we acquired a lot of customers, um, from taking that space and customers that had used that space and really loved the way we did things and kind of the attitude that we bring forward. So, 
in the long run, it was uh, a rough experience, but it was, as most of them are, uh, a necessary one. Yeah, and it's it's obviously horrible to, to hear about that. And going through that, how did you, I mean, what did you do to get through Dan's passing in terms of like, yeah, moving forward with everything? How did you decide what to do? Like, how did you cope? You know, this is, a lot of people, especially at the time, would ask me this. And I don't know if I have a solid answer for it, honestly. I think it once again stemmed, my wife tells me all the time that I'm amazing at compartmentalizing. <laughs> so <laughs> a big part of it is probably that, you know, I, 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 it was very difficult. I'll be, I mean, it was as difficult as anyone would imagine. He was, you know, not only my business partner, but uh, my best friend. So uh, it was a hard time, but there was, there's, there is a part of me that has the ability to just go, okay, there are, you know, I have these other things I have to, I can either deal with it or I can't deal. You're right. It's either you have two options, either keep going or stop. And my kind of thing is just keep going, like just, just keep pushing through it. And, you know, you take your time to grieve and you take your time to get really stressed out. And like, I can't do this. You take those moments, but, um, Ultimately, you know, it was, I can do it and I'm going to keep doing it. And, uh, those are the options, either do it or don't. And I, you know, decided to do it and that was it. I don't, I don't know if that's a good answer to that. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it is the answer. That's, that's all, that's all it is. And yeah. that's, that's obviously incredibly, incredibly tough to, to deal with. And yeah, as they say, life goes on, you have to figure out the next thing and keep living, exactly. which is so tough, but yeah. And then with, you mentioned earlier, we didn't dig into yet with Thespis. So explain Thespis to people and like what exactly this, this is. So Thespis is kind of what, what, like was Dan and my big kind of grand scheme, right? That's where we saw the, where our true kind of growth and value was. Uh, Dan's mother um, is a, uh, was a um, professional programmer. And one of my very good friends is a professional um, web designer. So we basically, Dan and I would spend, you know, all day running Space Station, and then we would stay there until 1am um, developing Thespis in the platform. And Thespis, ultimately, uh, our end goal is was to create a uh, a plat an online platform that really, you know, as we said over and over again, was give actors their power back. It was a way to hold businesses accountable. It was a way to create a community online for young and older actors. I mean, not age wise, but people who have been in the business for longer periods of times and shorter, kind of have a community and help each other. And I mean, it's one of the one of the articles I wrote for Backstage was there's an interesting dynamic in the acting world specifically where there's a lot of competition of course but there's not there there should be especially in a creative field i've always believed that there should be a lot of support right we should want the we should want the cream to rise to the, the top um yeah and one of the goals of thespis was kind of create an air a platform online that could create a community that could really one push these businesses that are taking advantage of actors away get get rid of them and then also start growing and fostering businesses that are pro actor and pro like the actual what the industry stands for and the creativity and the success of it. And that was kind of the grand the grand goal of Thespis. We you know had a five stage launch of it. Um, we didn't we didn't really get past stage two uh, Dan, after Dan's passing, of course, because his mom was our programmer. Um, she it just was too hard for her to work on, which is of course understandable. Right. In the process as well, Thespis, we were going to take money, um, get some investment for Thespis um, from our angel investors. And we got into Tech Week. And at Tech Week that we actually had a little, uh, I had some interest from some investors as well. My issue is at the time, Tech Week was three weeks after Dan died. And I just, I mean, this is another answer. I was not in a good headspace to kind of keep getting, keep Space Station alive, which is our main source of revenue while simultaneously bringing in investment money, which, you know, then you're a lot more beholden to someone. And so right. I pretty much put a Thespis kind of on a hold and a hundred percent of my focus went into keeping space station alive, paying off all of this debt that we had taken on. Uh, I mean, I had taken on substantial credit card and personal loan debt and, 
uh, space station took on quite a bit of debt and there was just a lot of debt that needed to be paid off and I needed to keep the company going. Uh, and so Thespis kind of went on the backside. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I decided to try to try to get it back uh, and move it forward again. And we were going to, I actually went back to the angel investors and we had talked a bit and they flew out here and we actually held some, um, we held some, oh, what word am I looking for? Not seminars, but uh, sessions. Where, like workshops? Yeah, thank you. Workshops where we could get feedback from actors and we had kind of changed it quite a bit, but then I ended up deciding to go back to business school. And of course the investor basically said, I'm, I will continue to be here. I think it's great. You're going to business school, but I'm not about to give X amount of dollars if you're not going to be able to do this full time. And, you know, I always have a thing where I believe I can do a million things at once, but <laughs> he definitely made the right choice because, uh, the amount of time <laughs> as Anyone getting their MBA knows it takes. Uh, I definitely don't have time to devote um, to Thespis at all. So we're actually in the talks process of talking about merging Thespis with another company out there. I won't say the name. It's all super early. Um, but we have a gigantic database of actors right now. We're almost at 100,000 actors. So there is wow. value there. Um, and we just have to figure out a best way to market it and a system that's already built and I came across a uh, lovely woman who built a similar system to Thespis. It's different, but it's in the same ballpark. And so we're talking with them about potentially um, just merging Thespis with their company and utilizing our database and kind of our experiences and also Space Station um, to grow that company in, in partnership with Space Station. That well, first off, I have to go back real quick. A hundred thousand is a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> how did that? How did you get to that point? So in twenty, early twenty fourteen, Dan and I realized we had so many actors come in and out of our space every week. I mean, on a busy week, you're looking at over a thousand, sometimes more than that, come in and out of Space Station, right? And so, yeah, if we are going to build Thespis, we should start developing a database. Our, our market literally is walking to it. He's coming to us. So we need to start capturing that data. So what we did is we built an online sign-in system where actors come and if when they're auditioning for something, they sign in on a computer and we capture, you know, that data. We don't, you, we don't give it to anyone. No one else has it. Anytime that some actors say, I'm not comfortable with it and we just get rid of it, of course. But <clears throat> we have this huge database of actors. And, you know, like one of the things we've used it for is about a year, two years ago, we launched um, a uh, space station artist initiative, which is like we're classes basically. And we're actually in the process of relaunching it right now in a different vein. But one of the things we can do is we offer the actors in this database um, one, Hey, we're launching it. You know, we shoot it out to almost a hundred thousand people. And then we say, you know, because you're in this database, you can get uh, X amount of classes free if you sign up for this, et cetera, right? So we give um, incentive to, to stay in that database as well. Um, so that's kind of how we uh, that's how we captured all of that. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. Because as you had the business going already, you have the potential to gather those emails. So it's like, or the content information. It's like, why wouldn't you? Why would you do that? And also you can provide value to them in a different way. So it kind of just makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And on top of and, that, the cast, our clients, the casting directors absolutely love the system as well. Because instead of trying to read paper, walk out, we give them an iPad. And so then the second the actor signs in, they in their studio, they see that the actor's in the lobby and they can just call the actor's name don't have to worry about reading anything. So it's been a, a huge value add to our clients as well. Yeah, it seems like a really easy workflow. And then as long as you can make it more convenient for them in any single way, obviously, exactly. it just makes your company better. Exactly. Yeah. And then transitioning into the, the MBA. So how did you decide to get an MBA? So the MBA um, was it's kind of this thing. Uh, one, I just threw my experience of running Space Station and like watching it grow and the challenges and all of it that went into everything, I really realized, oh, this is what I love. I, I, you know, even when I think about going into acting in a way, acting is entrepreneurial where you are your own business, but I, there, there isn't control in entrepreneurship that much, but there is. And just the entire process of the business world and running business, I really fell with. And 
through the whole experience, you know, there's only so much you, I, I really felt I could teach myself. I had no, literally no business background. And, you know, when we started, whenever I was trying to raise money or talk to people about raising money, there's just a certain language that I didn't have, um, that, you know, just now I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with. And yeah, I also wanted, you know, just having an MBA gives you a lot more credibility. And I, really looked into it. And I talked to my, at the time, fiance, now wife about it. And it, it just seemed like the right decision at the time. Space Station also has gotten to a point where I don't need to be there all the time. It really yeah. successfully run itself. As long as I have access to my phone and my email, my employees can take care of most of what needs to happen. And so it felt like the right time and also to position myself for any sort of future growth, right? Future opportunities and having that MBA is just it's such a value. Um, that's kind of why the decision, why we land, I landed on that decision. Yeah. And then being obviously running, running space station. So then you knew you wanted to be in Los Angeles. Yeah. That was the plan the whole time, right? Yeah. So I only applied to UCLA. I didn't, I didn't apply to Marshall. I don't, I didn't really have any logical reason. I just decided, uh, well, one of the, my wife also, we, we kind of decided this simultaneously, but she actually decided to go to school as well and is now getting her PhD at UCLA. So the fact. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And you, so you've, and you're graduating 2021 or. Yeah. 2021. It's the, the fully employed program takes three years. Uh, I'm in the process of accelerating. So Technically, I could finish in two, but uh, I will probably continue to utilize the resources of UCLA the entire time. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So how has it been so far as a fully fully employed MBA? How's that experience been so far? It's been great, man. I've really, really loved it. I wish I had done it years ago. Um, the... One, I, it's just continued to solidify how much I love business and and exploring it and the concepts of it and the challenges with it. Um, you know, it has been more of a time commitment than I expected. Part of the reason is probably just my personality, and I've really thrown myself into it. I'm on our student council. I'm on our the Entrepreneur Association board. Uh, you know, I've been really kind of do case studies. I kind of sign up for everything I possibly can to take, get the most out of this extremely expensive um, <laughs> commitment. Um, and so, you know, it's been a challenge to figure out time uh, and where to allocate time. And, you know, it's, there's definitely been moments that all of the stress piles up and, you know, you think I'm, I can't get through this. I'm not going to succeed. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be able to, you know, get an A and then, Later, you think, why does that matter? But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's been really great, and it's definitely been challenging. But it's been a really great challenge, and I would do it a million times over. I anyone that I think is interested in it should strongly consider it. It's been a wonderful experience, and the network, and the people, and the professors that you meet, and kind of the opportunities that it opens for you are really is really phenomenal. Yeah. And with the fully employed program, then when do you actually like, when do you have classes? So that's up to for core, which is the first is fall, spring, winter, fall. Um, you have different options. It's either Tuesday, Thursday nights, Saturday, all day, or there's a flex option where you can, you come to campus three and a quarter, I think. Um, and then if you, if you keep your GPA high enough, you can accelerate and then you can take classes whenever you want, but those are the oh, core wow. classes. And then after core, you know, you can take what you can just build your schedule however you want. Um, that's really, you know, it's really up to you. They, UCLA does a really nice job of offering a huge diverse uh, amount of classes that fit pretty much anyone's schedule. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 anyone there are people, we have some people that live in New York that fly in three times a quarter. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's definitely doable for, for anyone. That's awesome. And then you said, mentioned the time thing. So with having still running uh, space station and then being married and having this MBA program, how are you managing your time now? Oh, I'm not. 
uh, no, it's, uh, I mean, it, uh, it's just you, like all the things that I used to do for fun, I just don't do as much anymore. Like my friends, some of my best friends that, you know, aren't in business or go to UCLA, uh, constantly joke about how UCLA is ruining their lives because they don't see me anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, I, it's just the number one thing is my wife and I trying to find time to actually decompress and, you know, go on a date night. And that's kind of like our main goal, but you know, between running the company and, uh, classes and all the extracurricular stuff, I, it's, it's not, it's not easy. And, you know, if, if you're not willing to kind of, it's, it's temporary too, is kind of my thought too, you know, I can, I can do this for two and a half, three years and it, in the long run, it'll be worth it. And I don't regret it. Um, but you know, it's get up at early in the morning and start working on something and go to company and work and then go to UCLA and work and get home at 1030 at night and maybe, you know, have a beer and watch a bad TV show and then go to bed and do it all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's helpful, though. It seems from my perspective of being a, a you know full time MBA with different companies then as well, I'm trying to run. It's like just the fact that it, it is there is an end to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it's two years or in your case, three years, potentially shorter. But there is that kind of end thing where you, you recognize that this is an opportunity where you want to make the most of the MBA while you're there and it will eventually be done. And then you'll be like, oh, there's all this time for other things that you'll fill it with something else because MBAs are ambitious and driven. So we'll find another way. But yeah, so it, exactly. you know, it just it just happens in some other capacity. So yeah, it is interesting how that goes. And and with that then, so with your with your day to day at, at Space Station now, I'm curious just like how you're kind of spending your time, what you're focused on with that. Uh so day to day right now for I, I didn't go into this, but like the, for the last year and a half, we were actually looking at moving to a different space and potentially buying a building. Um, with okay. with uh, this angel investor that's been in contact with us and his investment group ended up being uh, just the current you know economic landscape of Los Angeles is just the buildings were, were prohibitively expensive and so we ended up extending our lease um, so with that I ended up deciding like I we want to kind of um, be able to I up the prices a little bit so we have three to six more years in our current space. And so one of the things we're doing is kind of look at how can we continue to grow um, the value at Space Station? You know, how can we continue to keep our customers happy and give them new, exciting things that they really like? Uh, and so it's been some experimenting. We're doing some renovation. We're doing, um, this is on top of just the day-to-day, -day, you know, making sure my employees are happy and all of that. But renovation. Yeah, we're, we're looking at potentially some new technologies in there. We're actually for the first time we are in a relatively older building and we're finally be able to looks like going to be able to get faster internet, which will save ever make me the happiest human being in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's a lot of just day to day running, answering an obscene amount of emails, dealing with clients, uh, making sure all the employees are good and happy and everything's bad. And then just trying to figure out different creative ways to grow the company that, you know, can see we can show uh you know empirical um growth and value to it yeah and and one of the things you obviously mentioned because you're going to ucla getting this mba there's clearly learning and about a ton of things there but before that or even still now are there any other like books or podcasts or you know conferences or anything that's been helpful for you as you've uh, become an entrepreneur uh yeah a ton um I, I mean, pod, I'm obsessed with podcasts. It's probably, I, people make fun of me. I don't ever listen to music anymore. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of people listening to this know about how I built this. I think that is a phenomenal podcast. Just learning about really successful entrepreneurs and their journey is, you know, absolutely great. Um, I think that one, it's important to just stay uh, abreast of what's going on in the industry. And so, Magazines and uh, publications like Business Insider and Entrepreneurship and but just publications that are that are for the industry. Um, you know, I do a lot of reading. Uh, keep up. I'm really following kind of big data and cloud and AI stuff these days and how that technology is growing and being utilized in business. Because you know, as anyone that's even kind of studied it, that is our future. Um, and so. I go to conferences at UCLA all the time whenever they're on tech or big data. I think just being, especially as an entrepreneur, you need to be really aware of this technology and kind of 
its implications because if you don't have it and you start a company, there's another company that's going to do it and they're going to blow you out of the water. So my main focus has really been kind of how the advent of technology these days um, can go into starting a new company. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to there's so much to follow up with and like actually look into. But it, it is it is fascinating when you're in this world, especially if you're getting an MBA, that you're just exposed to a lot of different things that are applicable if you want to start a company or you already have a company and you you want to grow it that you kind of have to look at because yeah. otherwise, like you said, you'll get blown out of the water by someone else who will. Exactly, <laughs> it's just kind of how it goes. And to kind of like wrap wrap things up here, I know you, obviously the passing of your friend uh, a few years ago, a friend and business partner Dan, the Dan Villas Scholarship Fund. So is that still going? What is that exactly? I'm so that. yeah, the fund's still alive. I mean, it's still it's a five hundred one c three. We uh, it's kind of been on the back burner during the the MBA. Of course, it takes a lot of time because there's events and stuff that go into it, but. Dan was always a really big advocate, you know, similar to as we've talked about before, of actors and supporting actors. And as a casting director, he did a lot of that. So we started this fund in his name. And basically, uh, we have, you know, we, it's, we've done two rounds of scholarships where we give actors um, $3,000 each uh, to kind of help pursue their career, whether that's take acting classes, shots, all that kind of stuff. And then we also pair them with mentors to help them kind of talk through their career and meet people and help build their network. Um, and it's been really great. It's had some really good reception. We've had a couple galas where, you know, we have, um, so we, we get companies to donate stuff and we have silent auctions and the, uh, and then we announce the winners at them. And uh, it's been a, a really wonderful um, uh, thing that we could do for kind of Dan's memory. Uh, it is currently, you know, one of the things that has been on the back burner because of the whole time thing uh, that definitely in the next year or two, as MBA slows down, I'll probably not probably I will kind of start putting more time behind. Um, but that's uh, that's kind of the impetus for it. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's obviously t- time is always a factor, especially during an MBA. There's just, there is only so much time and so many different things you're already working on. I can yeah. only imagine if someone uh, can how, only, how that goes. Someone can only solve the time issue and give us more time. <laughs> yeah, an entrepreneur will fix that somehow, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But uh, Ben, where can people go to learn more about you, what you're doing, what you're up to? Uh, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, and that is just uh, Ben Rovner, R-O-V-N-E-R, um, on LinkedIn. And then you can always, if you're interested in booking space and entertainment, you can always go to space station cast or space station LA.com. Uh, and you can book right then and there. Uh, you can check out Thespis though. It hasn't made a lot of project or progress recently at thespis.com. Um, and you know, if you have any questions for me, feel free to message me on LinkedIn. I am pretty good at responding to those. Awesome. Now I'll be sure to link all that up in the show notes at justgogrind.com slash podcast as well. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. It was great talking. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.